Hello again, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Power Hour. If you're hearing this, then you are definitely part of our Patreon-only exclusive members of the Power Hour tier. Ray Russell here, along with Steve Ekstat. Steve, welcome for another edition of the Power Hour. Happy to be here, man. Are you sure about that? I mean, I guess it all depends on the topic that we're going to discuss. I don't want to give any spoilers. We can answer that in a little bit. How about that? <laughs> well, I'm going to answer it right now, because the sooner we get done with this, the better. I apologize to everyone out there. I made the call, and I and I, I said, Steve, why don't we watch? Steve hasn't watched the WWE in quite a while. He, he, I think he kind of follows it, but he doesn't follow it right now. We're both diehard longtime wrestling fans, as you guys already know, but the product right now is in such disarray that it's it's lost a lot of even the, the longest diehard fans, and myself included. I never thought I would get this deep into the hole of not knowing what's going on in the WWE. It's been a few years since I watched it religiously every raw, every week and and every pay-per-view, but I always knew what was going on. I would always DVR it, fast forward through it, but still know everything that was going on. I would, then it got to the point where I was just kind of skimming over the reviews online. And now it's to the point where I'm really not even doing that. So I had no idea. I know, I know all the guys, but other than that, I had no idea really what was going on in the pay-per-view. I knew a little bit, but not a whole lot. Like, and I'll get to that in the first match, actually. But So what we're doing this week uh, for this Patreon-only exclusive of the Power Hour is we're going to review Clash of the Champions. And it's kind of fun for me because it's like I'm doing it blind. I'm walking to this blindly. I have no idea what's going on in most of these matches. I'm kind of following the backstory as the pay-per-view is progressing. I'm almost like a new fan here. The actual intent of doing this was I had gotten so disgusted at so many of the more, more recent pay-per-views that I have watched that I thought we were going to go on an awesome rant, have a lot of fun, dropping F-bombs left and right, and just crapping all over everything and, and going into like a maybe a, a semi-cornet rage. I can't go into a full cornet rage because I might I'm, I might die over here of an aneurysm, but unfortunately, we didn't get that. And that's unfortunate because either I like to watch something good or something so bad that I, I can vent. And in this case, this was just there. It was either decent or just bad, but not bad to shit on, just boring bad. Yeah, so I hope that didn't turn you guys off, but we're going to get into the show. So, Steve, if you're ready, we'll start now. I I guess I'm ready for this. And whatever uh, the hell noise you have going on over there, knock it the fuck off. And I said, fuck, we can do that here on Patreon. Well, you can you can use all the f words you want. I'll I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, he's the good guy. You feel free. You will you will speak. You will I'll do enough for both of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a little little less professional here on the uh, the Power Hour, which is fun. You know, it's freestyling here on the uh, Power Hour. So the show kicks off. They're in the Thunderdome, by the way. It's somewhere in Florida. I could give a shit less. Where show kicks? They're in Florida, right? That's where it's at. I'm assuming that's where everything else is. Yeah, it's in the. It's in the New Orlando uh, building, okay. uh, Amway Center. So I guess I didn't figure out that the pay-per-view started at 7 until about 6.55. I thought I was getting ready to turn on the pre-show because there's usually a match on the pre-show. And I realized that it says, you can watch Clash of Champions now. I said, are you shitting me? So I click it on and it starts at 7. I thought that the, for some reason, I remember the pay-per-view started an hour earlier, but my mind's so f- screwed up right now from the way WWE's run that... For some reason, I thought that meant eight. I don't know why I thought that, but I guess I did. Anyways, I turned it on. I missed the pre-show. Pre-show apparently had a match involving the SmackDown Tag Team Champion Cesaro and Nakamura taking on uh, Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik. I didn't see it, Steve, but you did catch it, so you're the pro here. And you know what's really funny about this is I was always the one to watch the pre-show. Nobody else ever would. I always saw the countdown match or the pre-show match. Nobody else ever did. 
I had to explain it to them. So this is a different, this is a, I'm on the other side of the coin here. So you tell me how the match was. It wasn't bad. These guys can work, clearly. I kind of like the combination of Cesaro and Nakamura. They, it was really nothing memorable. I have no idea why, how the hell the Lucha House Party got a title match. Uh, they didn't really show how that came to be. I'm assuming um, by I'm assuming they, by default, right? There's no other tag teams, so by default they that, they that could be it. That could be it too. Yeah, I mean, whether it's injuries or people just not wanting to work, uh, it's limited as far as tag team goes. Or the but, fact um, that they just don't have any tag teams. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing memorable was the finish. They had one of the guys in an airplane spin, uh, Cesaro did, and then Nakamura hitting with the Kinshasa, and uh, it looked really cool. They timed it perfect, and oh, uh, they got the fun. win. Yeah, that's a real yeah, hard spot. Cool. Da- Damien and uh, Cyclope used to do something similar to that, the the, the giant swing into the uh, drop kick. Um, they're the only ones that I really saw that ever really had good timing on spots like that. But that's really cool. I'm going to have to go try to – well, I guess I don't have to go find it. I guess it's on the network. So I might just go back and watch the finish, or I'm a little lazy, so I probably won't. Maybe somebody out there in uh, <laughs> uh, Twitter world will put a gif of it up for us, and, and that way I can see it that way. Somebody do that. One of our Patreons, please go do that for me at some point and make sure you uh, tag us so I can uh, see the end result. Uh, anyways, the pay-per-view kicks off with the ladder match. It's a Intercontinental Championship match for, for the Intercontinental title. I had no idea which belt was on the line to begin things. They announced that there's a ladder match. I go, oh, I didn't know there was a ladder match. I didn't know who was in it either. But they did. I didn't know it was what belt it was for yet because they said there's two belts hanging above the ring. I'm like, don't tell me they're... It's winner take all. I said, don't. Uh, so I started thinking, don't tell me they're going to take the Intercontinental title, the U.S. title, and unify them. Um, come to find out, they, at least they explained it. Sometimes they don't even do that anymore. At least they explained it during the introductions that Sami Zayn had won the Intercontinental title, got injured immediately after winning the Intercontinental title, was out on the shelf, came back, and claimed to still be the champion. This was like a, a poor man's Razor and Shawn Michaels storyline for me. I did, it, it just felt like rushed. I guess it made sense, but. I don't know. Anyways, Jeff Hardy's the current Intercontinental Champion. Sami Zayn's the former champion, claims he never lost it. And I have no idea how AJ Styles factors into the storyline, but it's a triple threat ladder match. Um, uh, I, the only reason I know this is because I, I tuned into the pre-show thinking you would do the same. But uh, the uh, AJ said that he was the champion before like Sami Zayn or Braun Strowman had it, and he's the one that kind of built the place, so he should be in it. Other than that, I think they just did something to throw him into something because they really got nothing for him. Well, that, that that would explain all WWE booking right now. Absolutely. Shit. So my, my initial thoughts here is Jeff Hardy's coming down the aisle is just poor Hardy. He's getting too old to be killing himself like this. I don't even want to see him on my TV anymore, and I have nothing against Jeff Hardy, but he can't change his style. He, I think he knows there's an expectation coming out of him, and that's just what he likes to do, but... I don't know. And he still pulls it off. I mean, he can't do everything he used to be able to do, but I just feel bad for him. He's getting up there in age as far as damaging his body. I worry about him like long-term health-wise. Match starts off pretty decent. Sami Zayn taking most of the nice bumps. He's the spot monkey in the match early on. Hardy also took a ridiculous bump, bump into an upside-down ladder. The ladder was open, and he basically took a, did a splash right on <laughs> inside the ladder. Looked pretty rough. AJ's great, but he's also getting to the point where I wonder what he should, you know, if he should be doing this as well. Um, what did you think of the guys' performances yeah. before we get into the finish? They busted their ass. I mean, you got what you expected to get from Jeff Hardy, uh, AJ Styles. There was a few nasty-looking spots. I know one where the ladder kind of turned and AJ landed right on his rib cage. 
I thought it was a pretty entertaining match. I mean, it was your typical WWE ladder match. I mean, the same sort of spots that they always do and, and things like that. But they always deliver. I know AJ's mentioned that he's kind of ready to retire. So throwing him in a triple threat ladder match um, is questionable at best. But I guess when you got nothing else for him, I mean, you got to put him in somewhere. But it was a pretty good match. It was just kind of your run-of-the-mill ladder match to me, it felt like. Yeah. Nothing fancy, but I'm not taking anything away from the guys involved. They really out there, really gave their bodies. So I'm not going to disrespect any of the guys involved here. Um, I wanted to talk about the Thunderdome just for a minute. The generic fake crowd noise is very noticeable. It irritated the hell out of me for a couple of these matches. This was one of the matches that I just it irritated the hell out of me. And then there's all the screens, the fan screens. And I noticed when they were fighting around ringside that the TVs, the TV screens that the fans are on go all the way to the floor. So there are literally TV screens with fans' faces on them behind the barricade to where you can't even see them. So my question is, do you know anything about this? Do people have to pay? Uh, this sounds Because it sounds like a Vince thing to make people pay to get their face on TV. I mean, it very well could be free. I can't imagine that many people paying. I'm pretty sure you just go online and you can, uh, you got to get in line and then you can just sign up and it's kind of, it's free. To be honest with you, when you mentioned the fake noise, I'm assuming Vince wanted to do this Thunderdome idea just to have people on the screen. That way he could pipe in fake noise and not make it look ridiculous. You really right. can't do that with nobody in the room. In the room, But at least with fans there, you can pipe it in and hopefully they get loud enough to be able to do it. But I don't. They've had some issues. A Crispin Wall shirt made, the, made one of them and some dude was wearing a KKK hood in one of them too, so... Yeah, I know uh, last night my, my son <laughs> Right. Yeah, my son pointed out somebody flipped one of the heels off. Might have been Orton or something during the entrance yesterday too on one of the the screens, but um wanted to get in a few of the spots in this match. Again, nothing fancy, but solid stuff from all the guys. Jeff Hardy did an outside poetry emotion. I think he jumped off the stairs and and nailed AJ. AJ took a bump from that. Then Hardy wound up taking a haluva kick over the top of the barrier, and that's when I noticed that there were TVs behind the barrier on the ground. Zane comes back in. He starts climbing the ladder. AJ from the outside takes one of those miniature ladders, which I have no idea why they even exist, and whips it in the ring and just nails Zane with it. So dangerous, man! But it was it was cool. But he just throws it, throws it right at him, nails him. Uh, yeah, it looks like he hit him right in the wrist with it. Yeah, um, he sell- same as the job of selling the hand. Yeah, Zane that. sold that good. I don't know if he, he had an option but to sell it. <laughs> it couldn't have felt very good. <laughs> right. We have AJ climbing the ladder a little bit little bit after that he takes a nasty rib bump too he tries to do the spot where you land, land rib first across the top rope but man he his ribs took all of the impact on that and that was coming from a decent height so i was uh wonder i figured he was okay but i i was like that you know that was pretty risky because you hit it just wrong and be out of you know bruised ribs cracked rib yeah all sorts of issues could happen uh from missing that spot or messing it up so a lot of, lot of bumps off the ladder spots here, just basic bumps off the ladder, but they looked more dangerous than some of the ones where they're more more at risk because these guys were just falling onto things or, or trying to make up for the fact that maybe they're not as young as they once were. And, um, you know, uh, Hardy, for instance, shoves Sami Zayn off, but he also inadvertently hits AJ in mid-flight, you know, uh, during that spot. There was a twist of fate on Zayn. That's when we had everybody go down. My question here was, why is Hardy so much more dead than the others? Cause, because Hardy had been sitting out. And this is my pet peeve in, in ladder matches that goes back however many years now they've decided to start booking them like this. When they started booking the multiple-man ladder matches, they had to start having guys do take bumps and then lay over to the side, out of the way, so other people can get their spots in. And this is only three guys here, so it was unnecessary. And nothing particularly bad happened to Hardy, but he laid out for what seemed like maybe not forever, but longer than needed. 
and he bumped the other two guys, and then he fell back down. And that's always my pet peeve. Why is one of the guys playing dead when they were just up and nothing happened to them? And that's what happens there when we get like a triple down, everybody's down on the ground. Yeah, it makes sense when you like a money in the bank match or, you know, maybe a eight man tag or like, you know, four teams in there doing it or whatever. But you have three guys, it's very noticeable and you can clearly tell he's just hanging out to his next spot. And that that takes away from it for me. Then we get a spot where Zane uh, Hardy starts climbing the ladder. He gets to the top. Zane starts tipping the ladder backwards. So Hardy starts climbing down the ladder lungs that are actually getting pushed up in the air by Zane. And it looked like I thought they were setting up for a spot maybe where the ladder was going to rest in the corner. But the weight of Hardy, since Hardy flying, falling over the top rope, the ladder goes teetering as well. I didn't know if that was planned or if that was, you know, uh, something that got screwed up there because of Hardy's weight and they hadn't anticipated it. It looks like they were trying something different uh, that we haven't seen before in a ladder match, and it just didn't work out, I don't think. Like you said, his weight carried him, and it sent him packing over. But you also have the ability to kind of do things more reckless around that area with the ladder. So maybe they did mean to do it just because there's no fans and you're not going to hit anything. So if the ladder goes flying over the guardrail or something, I mean, you don't really have anything to worry about. I mean, it, it looks sloppy a little bit, but not too bad. Zane's body looked busted up pretty bad, kind of Daniel Bryan style whenever Bryan takes chops or anything really red. Zane certainly took some bumps to uh, acquire those red marks everywhere. They go to the floor. AJ does the uh, backflip off the, yeah. the announce uh, he's table. similar to me. I this was going to say, uh, go on. He's, uh, he's a redhead like myself, so uh, we bruise easy, and that, that stuff sticks for a while. So uh, I get it. I get it completely. AJ does a backflip into an inverted DDT off the announce table. I haven't seen AJ do that spot. He used to do it in the ring quite a bit. haven't seen him do it a whole lot in the WWE, so it was really cool seeing him hit that move. He sets a ladder up on the apron and the table, but because of that cover over the TVs, the ladder falls off. He has to rip the cover off to set the ladder spot up. Winds up uh, Jeff Hardy doing a swanton off a ladder, putting Zane through that ladder. Just a lot of ladder stuff in this ladder match. Go figure. A lot of shenanigans, uh, taking turns, getting pushed off of it repeatedly. Then we go to the finish. Sami Zayn pulls out some handcuffs, and he proceeds to stick the handcuffs through the ear hole of Jeff Hardy. You heard me right. I, I seem to remember Randy Orton sticking a screwdriver through Jeff Hardy's ear hole. So this is a little bigger, I guess, but... Uh, he basically handcuffs. It's absolutely disgusting. I didn't need to see it. My kid wasn't interested in it. It turned turned me off. Like it was just weird and awkward. And I, I mean, I get what they were going for. It's very cerebral, very smart of Sami Zayn. But really, you couldn't have done it with the with the arm. I, they just wanted the vis, the visual, obviously. Cuff, put the cuff through Jeff Hardy's ear. You're not you're not mis, uh, mishearing me. And then he handcuffs Jeff Hardy's ear to a ladder on the floor. And the announcers act like Jeff Hardy has no way to move, like he's immobile. And I'm like, it's just a ladder. He can pick it up and move it. It's it's not an anvil. Right, exactly. Yeah, this spot was – I don't – see the guy's ear alone. I'm sure he doesn't care. It's probably his idea because it's Jeff Hardy, and he doesn't really care about taking those sort of bumps, so I get it. But at the end of the day, man, that's just disgusting to look at and – uh Kind of makes me turn away. I'm not. I'm not queasy or anything. It is just. I don't like it. I, I've never been a fan of that stuff. Like back in the day when Albert got his tongue ring or whatever it was ripped out, or he ripped Draws' nose ring out. Like that shit's always stupid to me. I get it. It's violent, but that's just violence for the sake of violence, and you don't need that crap. I don't even consider it violent because it didn't really 
it wasn't really violent. It was just, like, yeah, it was just, yeah, look, it's the just, visual. It's, it's disgusting to me. Exactly. It is. Um, so we get some cerebral book, booking now, a little clever. I feel like Vince didn't come up with this or Bruce, Bruce Pritchard. I almost feel like one of the, these guys came up with it or, or a collaboration of, but then Zane has another pair of handcuffs. I don't know where he's pulling these all out of, but he cuffs himself to AJ now. Aha, the plot thickens in the ring. So AJ doesn't know what to do. So he puts Zane up into a fireman's carry and starts climbing the ladder with him. So AJ thinks he's figured out. They get near the top and Zane has an ha- a key to the handcuffs. Obviously, why wouldn't he? The announcers act like it's crazy that he has this key. Why the hell would he have handcuffs with- without a damned key? Anyways, he uncuffs himself and winds up cuffing AJ, I think, to the ladder. This is At this point, this is where Jeff Hardy climbs in the ring holding the ladder to his ear. And it was just, it was borderline comedy. And borderline, just I didn't want to look at it. Anyway, Zane climbs up, grabs both belts. He's outsmarted both guys, and he's now the champion. And that's pretty much the match. The match went about 27 minutes. I thought it went longer because it didn't end until about 40 minutes into the pay-per-view. I didn't realize there was that much junk that happened on the pay-per-view before the match actually started. But match went 27 minutes. And uh, I wrote here, what's that? I was just going to say, it didn't really feel that long. Just going from spot to spot, you don't really think about the time. You just wait to see what's next. So yeah. I think this is the better, match, one of the best matches on the card. Yeah, yeah. that's well, that's true. That's why I have the most notes for this match. Some of these other matches will fly by in thirty seconds. I wrote here's my notes. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I can't crap on this match because these guys gave it everything they had. They gave their bodies in front of no live crowd, no real adrenaline, but they're professionals and they made it. They they had a good match. It wasn't slow or boring. I couldn't get excited for it like a real fan can, but I thought it was fine, and I saw these guys risking life and limb to put on a good show. I'm sure like real fans were into this. They were enjoying it. I, I can't do it without a crowd. I can't do it in this current state. I can't do it when I'm not even into the product right now. I, was, I, I have much respect for everything they were doing, but I felt for them as men, human beings, rather than, you know, enjoying the wrestling spots so much. I thought they were creative and, and came up with some decent stuff. Nothing uh, earth-shattering, but um, I thought it was perfectly fine. I feel bad saying this because, you know, they busted their asses. Like you said, they busted themselves up so bad. And, I, I mean, I could have done without the ear spot, like I said, as well. But other than the ear spot, no complaints. I just, you know, I, I hate seeing these guys do this in front of nobody. Uh, I guess they're getting paid the yeah. same either way, but... You, you just, you know, I feel bad. Like you're giving your body with no fans. It's just, what's the point? What's the, why, why risk it? There's not even anyone there to appreciate you. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I mean, this is, it's either work or don't work and they love it. I'm assuming. So whether the fans can acknowledge it or not, I mean, to me, this is having the fans on the video wall and, and things like that is a, is a vast improvement over kind of like what we had at WrestleMania where, those three guys were in a ladder match there and they were busting their ass for nothing right. for crew guys and, and things like that. At least here, you know, you can kind of look over and see, see some fans, see them getting a little bit excited and stuff like that. So at least right. there's some reward there, but I'm with you, man. They're, they're putting their ass through a lot of, a lot of damage just for some virtual waves and hellos. So, um, but yeah, really solid match to open the show. You know, you think you get something like that, and say, like, "Oh, this this should be a decent show." You're gonna start off with something like that, but um, well, it's WWE, so yeah. And then they do this interview in the in the uh, ramp with Sami Zayn, and I don't know if that's a thing they do now, where they interview guys immediately after the matches on the ramp. I don't know if it's just for this pay per view or what the deal is, but 
Uh, Zane does a brief interview on the ramp with some chick. I don't even know who she is. Now I sound like Jim Cornette. He doesn't know a lot of the talent, you know, especially the all the interview girls. But I've seen a blonde one lately. I've seen, you know, a few other ones. I don't know any of their names anymore. I knew Renee Young. I knew Charlie or no Charlie. I know she's still there. And I knew that Dasha girl who went to AEW. After that regime, I have no idea who any of these other girls are that are coming in. Um, I think this was uh, Kayla Braxton, I think. Okay, at least at least I think I've seen the name or heard the name. So Sami Zayn, quick promo. He's still the champion. He has both belts. I'm assuming he's gonna that's gonna go back to one belt after this, but it's Sami Zayn, so he may carry around both. Fast forward to backstage, our truth segment, so you know he's losing the belt. He's dressed as an old man. I don't know if he had a mop or a wig or something on his head. I don't even remember. He goes into the referee's room, which which appears to be about three feet by three feet. The refs are, there's two refs standing there, and it's like, okay, you couldn't have been a little more clever than this. We see referees now. Now we know there's, you know, there's going to be a pinfall here. R-Truth backs up and runs into Drew Gulak, who schoolboys him, pins him, and wins the 24-7 championship. End of that story. Or is it? We'll find out later. Yeah. Raw women's, yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Raw women's champion Asuka defending against Alita Vega. I don't like this at all. Not the match, just... The, the reasoning for it's so my understanding is two weeks before this pay-per-view Zelina Vega, who hasn't wrestled barely at all ever on WWE decided that she no longer wants to be a manager. She wants to be a wrestler and challenges Asuka to the, for the championship two weeks ago, she became a wrestler in WWE storylines. She fires the guys. First of all, I, I see Vince waking up. He took his one hour sleep. He slept two to 3 AM or whatever. He wakes up and God damn pal. I got an idea. What's that little girl's name? What's which? What's her name? You know, Zelina Vega, sir. Okay. And, you know, that's Bruce Pritchard talking to him because Bruce isn't allowed to have a life anymore. He's probably sitting in a chair next to Vince's bed. So, you know, I can see Vince right now. Yeah, she's not going to manage anymore. She's going to wrestle. No, she's going to entertain in the ring because you can't wrestle here. And I, I can just see Vince doing this. And then just randomly they show up at Raw this week and they go, yeah, you're not. You're, you're a wrestler now. You're not managing this guy you've been managing for years at this point. You're just going to fire him today. Okay. I don't know where they were going with any of this, but so she challenges Asuka on raw. She's not even a wrestler at this point. And somehow she, two weeks later, she's on a pay-per-view wrestling for the world, the women's world title. I don't know what sense that makes or, you know, why it may, I, I don't get any of it. And I don't want to even want to hear the whole bullshit of, well, she pissed Asuka off. So she offered her a title shot. It shouldn't be how shit works. Who the fuck's the number one contender? Yeah. Like that. That's the only thing that pissed me off about now the match itself going in, I had no expectations. I have no, I know Zelina Vega's trained. I've never seen her work outside of maybe a mixed tag or something, which, you know, she, she got like three spots in, never seen the girl work. So I had no expectations going into this. I was kind of curious why this was even done, but like you said, there's no tag teams on SmackDown. So like there's no women. There's nothing left for Ashka. Everybody's kind of gone on Raw. So. She really has nothing. I mean, and then you have a woman there who's managing a team that can't get over. Hey, let, let's take a break from that and let's give her a match. Let's let her work. I know she's been talking about it and wanting to do it for a while. Um, I've seen her work uh, TNA a little bit with LAX with Homicide and Hernandez and those guys. Um, and I always thought she had some talent. Uh, she had a nice look. And I, I'm, I'm shocked it kind of took her this long to get into WWE. But uh, she's not bad. But, yeah, it's just the state of the the business right now as far as WWE goes. There's a lot of people missing. People are getting their shot. It's unfortunate. It's a fun of no fans because you don't really know if they're over or not. Right. 
Um, anyways, my first note on this match is there was Pyro. And I, re- I remember reading they brought Pyro back. But I'm like, so you get rid of Pyro to save money. And now that there's no fans, you bring Pyro back. Yet you're firing people left and right in your in your office and professional wrestlers. Sorry, sports entertainers. Because you can't afford them. But you can afford Pyro. And not only is Pyro expensive and the people you have to pay to shoot it off are expensive. Any Pyro you have... You have to practice it before the show, which means every time you see Pyro, they tried that out once before then. So they're paying for double the Pyro. Um, so we get going we get like, into the, what's that? Can we get like a, a soundbite of like Randy Orton saying stupid, stupid, stupid uh, for when we do these shows? <laughs> it go to, perfect for a lot of the things that WWE's doing. I'll have <laughs> to find it. Uh, so anyways, the match goes on looking pretty OK. Vega's definitely good at taking bumps. Uh, Asuka tries a superplex, Vega fights it off, and they do uh, where, a gimmick where Asuka injures her arm. So the rest, the remainder of the match, the story is Zelina Vega going after Asuka's arm, which makes a lot of sense. She does the old Great Muda hammerlock, the bridging hammerlock spot. She, a, lot, a lot of good stuff from Vega really impressed me. I thought she was going to get a couple minutes of offense and then just take it home, but they gave her a little more, and she really held her own here. I really didn't know her background. I mean, I knew of her, but I didn't watch any of it, so... I had no idea how good or bad she was. Uh, so I was very impressed with her holding her own here. Match goes on. Decent looking stuff from both guy, uh, girls, um, women. I love that they gave her, uh, gave Vega a spot where she countered the Asuka lock. Of course, part of that was because Asuka's arm was hurting, but it makes her look a little more competent, a little more. I always love when a, when a wrestler breaks or counters the, the other wrestler's finisher before they take the finisher. It just gives them that little more makes them feel a little more important, a little higher up, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. And yeah. so I liked I liked how she countered that into a cross arm breaker. Good story there. At that point we see Asuka, she keeps going back to her Asuka lock, trying to lock it on. They go to the finish, and I don't really know how to describe this, but Vega does this nice looking bridge type move, but Asuka kind of pushes her off, shoves her down in between her legs and locks her in the Asuka lock. It's the win just over seven minutes. Perfect amount of time. Just perfect. I mean, everything worked perfectly in that seven minute period anymore. And Vega may have been exposed uh, as far as like working at Oscar's level. I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I, I probably am wrong because I noticed tonight on raw when I, I had the first 15, 20 minutes on my TV, I didn't really watch it, but Oscar and Vega opened the show, or I think that was the opening thing because that's when I had it on. Um, they seem to go longer. It seemed to go longer than seven minutes today. And every time I looked up, they, everything seemed to be going pretty smooth. So um, there was a rematch. Oscar won again. Yeah, I just uh, I thought this was a good match. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Like I said, I always like Vega and and Oscar's a pro. She's probably the best wrestler on the on the roster right now, outside of maybe Charlotte. Uh, yeah, it, she made Vega look good. She gave Vega enough opportunity to highlight some offense and get some moves in. Uh, she didn't just put her in the Oscar lock and tap her out. So you like you said, you leave her credible. Uh, that way, you can kind of get some more matches out of her. So all in all, they did pretty well. They're two for two so far. Uh, Asuka shows respect after the match. Really put Vega over good in a promo. And it wasn't one of Asuka's crazy promos or even one of her broken English promos. She stopped and made sure she said each syllable in perfect English to make sure she put this girl over. I noticed that. I thought that was really, really classy on Asuka's part. Of course, that leads to a a small angle where Asuka wants to shake hands with Vega. Vega says, no, I'm going to bow to you, you know, and she bows, and then when Asuka goes to bow, like, I didn't see this coming, Vega 
takes a cheap shot on Asuka and, and leaves the ring, which obviously led to their rematch here on Raw tonight that, that I, I brought up. Um, we go into the next match, U.S. Championship match, Bobby Lashley defending against Apollo Crews. I took a bunch of notes here, but the bottom line is Lashley wins with the full Nelson, which she's calling the Hurt Lock. This is my take on the match. I wanted to call it bad, but it really wasn't. Nobody did anything wrong here. It just had no heat. It wasn't good, but there was nothing wrong with it, so I can't call it bad. I know there's no crowd, so that sounds silly that there's no heat, but for me, in my mind, it just had no heat. It felt like a match where, had the crowd been there, they would have been sitting there on their hands, because I know I was. Another match that ended exactly when it should have, though, before it could be really, really bad. Uh, I think it went about eight minutes, or seven or eight minutes. So they took it home right at, right when they needed to. I mean, it had been another minute longer. It would have been too long. So it's, it's And I also like seeing the full Nelson back as a finisher spot. And Lashley's a perfect guy to give that kind of finish to. Yeah, he got that Nelson on and was... He had a cinched in pretty good. Like, Cruz's arms were all the way up, and his head was really pinned down. So he made it look really, really good. Um, I like the Hurt business. Uh, MVP's a hell of a talker, and I've always been a fan of his. Um, he just got stuck with some guys that have no charisma. <laughs> Lashley, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin. So I feel bad for MVP, but he's doing a pretty damn good job of carrying it. I know a lot of people I see online really enjoy what they're doing. So, um well, I know the idea was, was was for MVP to be put with them because they have no charisma or aren't very good on the mic. I noticed Cedric ben, uh, Cedric Benjamin Cedric Alexander was missing in action here. I'm wondering if he's the latest to test positive or what the issue was there. Seemed kind of odd of all people he wasn't out there given he turned on Ricochet and Ricochet had co- accompanied Lashley here. I forgot to mention that as well. We go on to the tag team championship match. I think this, yes, this is a raw tag team championship match now because the SmackDown was on the pre-show. We get the Street Profits, one of your favorite teams, um, taking on Andrade. Andrade, <laughs> yeah. Well, you you said you liked them. I don't mind them. I oh, okay. my, my favorite team. I said one of your favorite teams. There's only like three teams in the WWE, man. I mean, everybody's one of your favorite teams, right? Well, I guess when it's Slim Pickens, you, you yeah. got to pick who's somewhat decent. I like all four of these guys as far as work goes. To be honest with you. Um, oh, I love Andrade and Garza. I mean, they're okay as a team, but individually, I think they both could really thrive um, if they were pushed by the right guy. With Vince there, and now Bruce Pritchard heading things up. Uh, and, I, and I love me some brother love, but, man, he's just going to do whatever Vince says, and Bruce doesn't seem to really want to create new stars either. He, he seems to like to go back to that old-school mentality like Vince, which Paul was, Paulie was doing the opposite, which is probably why he finally got the can. Uh, but anyways, good little match. It was... Uh, Going pretty nice there. It looked like we were going to the uh, the finish uh, when it appeared Hector Gar or Hector Garza Angel Garza got injured. I haven't been online today to look up what happened with him. Uh, I don't know if you have or not. Uh, I read one report saying that he was okay when he got to the back. Um, it was something with his knee. He took a spot like coming off the middle rope or off the top rope, and uh, looks like he messed up his knee um, a little bit. But it doesn't seem like it's that serious. I was wondering if it was the Spanish Fly spot because that was really dangerous like he yeah. barely cleared that move when they were standing there before they even did the move it looked like neither one of them was in sync with the other one and it looked like they were both kind of finding their balance still and yeah. uh when Ford they took off tall, <laughs> yeah it, it, that's a move that guy shouldn't yeah. be doing in my opinion he's just not he's too tall to be doing something i'm glad that he's athletic as athletic as he is and he's has the ability to do these things when he needs to p- bust it out but, uh, yeah, it's just uh, 
the timing was off, and thank God both of these guys are as athletic as they are, and they were able to rotate and tuck just in the nick of time, or that could have been a lot worse off than it was when they landed. Mm-hmm. Um, I just assume because it landed flat that they were both okay. I don't know that that's where he got hurt, but that's where my notes end as far as Garza goes in the match. So I'm wondering if that was where that's where the uh, the accident happened. Yeah, it uh, seems like he got tagged out and uh, Andrade came in, and then I didn't see him again until they showed him on the outside getting checked on by the doctors. So um, he kind of just went out of the way and disappeared, which is, I'm assuming, what they're supposed to do. But uh, Andrade and them guys were doing enough work to read didn't even worry about where Garza was at. So Andrade gets a little heat. and, and uh, At that point, they had been getting heat on um, Ford for a little bit there, and it was time for Ford to make the hot tag. He makes the hot tag. And Dawkins comes in and hits what I call the spine buster, makes the cover, one, two. Andrade kicks out on two. I mean, completely kicks out, turns sideways on two. Referee slams his hand down third time. That bell rang simultaneously with that, that hand coming down the third time. Somebody was in that ref's ear and told him, you count three no matter what, because that bell did not hesitate. That bell rang the, at the exact same moment the hand came down. That match was over. Dawkins looked confused. I'm sure Andrade was a bit confused. Dawkins' face said it all for me. He yeah, was just like, yeah. what, what the hell? You know, I, I'm, at this point, I don't realize anybody's injured. So I saw a two count. I saw Andrade kick out. I saw Dawkins' face and I, and I wrote, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck just yeah. happened? Like, I, it's, you know, I, I didn't know anybody was injured at this point. So I legitimately got pissed at the ref. Like, I started cussing at the damn TV and the referee because I'm like, what, what the hell? How do you even screw that up? Um, yeah, then they cut to at me. <laughs> yeah. He said, what the hell just happened here? Uh, yeah. I mean, Dawkins just had that look on his face. Like he was pissed off and then Ford kind of started dancing and it switched his demeanor, but Dawkins did not look happy at all about what happened. Yeah. Their whole finish was screwed up. Obviously Garza needed to come in for the finish and I don't know if the belts were supposed to change, which I would have liked to have seen, but probably not. Seems too early into the profits run. But um, it just seemed like they knew that he wasn't coming in for any of his spots. Let's end this match now. This guy's hurt. Let's check on him. And that's when they cut to the floor, and you could see Andrade hovering over Garza, checking on Garza immediately with a couple of other doctors or, or whatever whatever they, they're called there. I don't know. Vince has special names for everything. But that's when I knew, okay, this is like a legit injury of some sort because Andrade and Garza had been working that angle with each other where they didn't necessarily care for each other a whole lot. And you could tell Andrade was very worried. He really was checking on him. And that's when I was like, oh, dude's hurt. Seemed to be holding his arm. So I thought maybe it was an injured arm, but I had no idea what it was. I also thought maybe concussion because they end those matches quick now because of that. But like you said, a leg. But if he's okay, that's really great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Andrade worked raw tonight. That was the other thing I saw before I turned the TV off. Worked Keith Lee, did a job to Keith Lee in about two or three minutes. So that's Andrade where Andrade. It's unfortunate. Yeah, that's that's where Andrade stands right now. So He's we get a commercial. We get a commercial next. The WWE draft is returning. Why? Like, who cares? Uh, they've already opened it up to where guys can be on both shows again. Nobody really gives a shit. I don't under I used to love when the draft was coming, but when Vince stops stopped sticking to it, it was worthless and it's just shit. I wish they'd get rid of it. I th- really feel like it's just a way for Vince to to sell shit to Fox and I guess USA, although USA should know better by this point. But, well, we're doing a draft, so the ratings are going to pick up, pal. You know, I, that's what I that's how I see him. Even That's the reason he's even doing these drafts, in, in my opinion, at this point. It's just to sh- 
pop a rating. I can't think of what the hell I was saying. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a way for him to pop a rating. Uh, that's all it is. There's nothing more to it. It's useless. It'll be useless within two weeks of it happening. So, waste of time. So, at this point, I got to run upstairs um, during the pay-per-view. I don't remember what I was doing, getting more coffee or taking a piss, which I have a bathroom down here, so I doubt that was the issue. But Or checking on one of the kids, being bad, or whatever the hell was going on. But I, I ran upstairs real quick, and I saw Drew Gulak walking the halls. So, I looked at my son, and I said, well, he's probably going to lose the belt back here, so let me know when I get back. So... I came back and he said, yeah, our truth won the belt back. I said, okay, so can't give you guys any specific details on that awesome match backstage, but our uh, truth won that won the championship back there. Everyone for anybody who was did. really worried. Well, you, earlier you asked though, you wondered why Gulak was even here. Um, he did mention, oh. he's like, I was doing my stretching and my cardio so I can be ready. Uh, you never know when somebody might go down or something like that and they need somebody. <laughs> so he's like, I like to stay ready. And yeah, uh, I forgot all about that. Truth. Right. Yeah. I, I forgot all about that because you're right. Because when he pinned our truth earlier, Gulak was there because he was doing these Bob Backlund like leg stretches down the hallway in his in fully geared for for a wrestling match. And I remember skyping you and and saying, "Why the fuck is this guy dressed to wrestle? He's not even on the card, and he's sitting here exactly. stretching down the hallway." So that's his reason for being there. At least he gave a reason. Um, yeah, for sure. Next championship match is a women's SmackDown title match. Uh, we got Bailey out there. She was supposed to take on Nikki Cross. I guess Nikki Cross won some kind of match on SmackDown. I don't remember if it was a gauntlet match or what it was, but she won some kind of match, and she was supposed to get a title shot here. But I guess a lot of the girls on SmackDown have come down with the uh, the virus, or uh, they're not getting cleared anyway, and uh, Nikki Cross being one of them. Uh, Dave Meltzer pointed out how she wasn't on the go-home show on SmackDown, and he had asked the WWE on Saturday if, if she had tested positive and they didn't get back to him. So he thought that was a surefire positive <laughs> by, by not getting a response. Um, so Nikki cross wasn't here. So there's a slew of girls that could have taken her place here. My favorite would have been Sasha Banks, perfect opportunity for her to come back. But I also thought to myself before we found out who the challenger was, I thought to myself, well, they're probably wanting to save that for a bigger pay-per-view. So we get Bailey to the ring. She wants to win by forfeit. Nikki Cross isn't there. And Asuka's music hits. And my first thought is, well, she's not on SmackDown, but the, I guess anybody could have answered. But there's so many other girls that could have had the opportunity here. I don't know that any of them deserve it at that level, but there are, I just saw, you know, there's plenty of other ones. And yeah. anyways, Asuka comes out. This ends up being a, an angle. Match goes three minutes where Bailey hits her with a chair to get disqualified and keep her belt. Bullshit finish. Why even do this match? Why not just go with the forfeit gimmick and and uh, or have her squash somebody uh, underneath that you know got a, got an opportunity? But I didn't understand the point of having Asuka come out just to do this. She hits her with the chair, lays her out. Sasha Banks returns from the crowd, the crowd of TVs. Sasha Banks returns. She's got a neck brace on, so she attacks Bailey, but she's hurting herself. Keeps grabbing at her neck, which allows Bailey to take over on the fight. And that's when I go, why would you fucking return when you're that injured? It It's just made Sasha look stupid to me. And, and you could argue, you know, if this was the 80s and everything was so intense and believable that they didn't give a shit. They wanted their fucking revenge. But in 2020, it doesn't feel like that to me. So I'm just yeah. looking at her like you're you're an idiot when you can't even defend yourself. Wait another day when you can fight back. You know, I like the idea of having her come and return and attack Bailey, but not when she looks like the bitch immediately after. It's almost like Zack Ryder, 
when he got over and and they said, "Oh, you're over. Well, we'll we'll teach you." And then every week he got his back broken by Kane, like off of forklifts and 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 this that and the other and off of the stage. And I don't know how many times they broke Zack Ryder's back every week until they buried his ass. And I'm not saying that's what they were doing with Sasha here. It's just it felt like, why do you keep coming out when you're already injured? So I, I wish they yeah. had done without the the uh, neck brace. I think that it could even worked if Bailey had got a cheap shot in, maybe drop Sasha's neck across the top rope or something like that, and then Sasha starts selling. But to come out, nail Bailey, and then immediately start selling yourself from whiplash or whatever, it's you know I didn't like that. Yeah, especially when matches get called or ended for legit injuries. So when you come out here and you're wearing a neck brace, we clearly know you're not cleared or you're injured. So why are you even out here? Just like you said in the '80s, it worked fine, but now it just doesn't work because. They really don't allow them to wrestle if they are injured uh, like they used to do. So, like you said, she just looks like an idiot selling her neck when if she was legit injured, she wouldn't be cleared anyway. So, trash. Bailey takes over on Sasha for a bit. She goes under the ring to grab a kendo stick. There's like 10 kendo sticks under the ring. Like, when did the WWE become like uh, Japanese weapons are us? I I just, I I don't know why there's this many kendo sticks sitting under the ring. Sasha gets the, the, the kendo stick away from Bailey, though, and Wax her with it before, you know, Bailey splits. So at least, you know, at least with Sasha in the ring. And my takeaway from this was Sasha needs to go back to the purple hair and they absolutely need to bring back her old theme. <laughs> nice takeaway. I like the blue hair, though. So the next match is the ambulance match, which shocked me because I thought for sure Reigns going against Uso would, you know, come before Orton and, and McIntyre, two legit main eventers. No, no, no disrespect to Uso, who's a great wrestler, but main eventer, I don't know. So the ambulance match is next. We have Drew McIntyre out there defending his universal championship. That's the one on Raw, right, against uh, Randy Orton? Yeah. And uh, I love that we were both thinking the same thing because you you Skyped me at the same time I was writing this in my notes, so I copied and pasted it back to you. You said, uh, man, even his entrance is slow. And I wrote in my notes, even with no fans, Orton's entrance is slow. And I, I pasted that and sent that back to you. Or, what, or was that somebody else I was Skyping? I don't, I don't remember. Uh, it was me, man. It okay. was me. I remember that. <laughs> um, it's crazy when Bob Orton is the speedster of the family. Right? My God, it was so slow. I, I really feel bad for Drew McIntyre, whose entire run has been based during this COVID situation. No fans. So the guy can't even tell if he's over. And I'm sure he is to some degree. But it, it's like you're spinning your wheels in place because, yeah, you're champion for this many months now. It's really not doing anything because there's no fans. So your response, you know, to the higher ups, they still don't know exactly how over you are. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because he got, he kind of got shot to the moon at the Royal Rumble with how fast he eliminated uh, Lesnar and then the push and the build that he had towards WrestleMania due to Heyman. Um, he got the rocket strapped to his back, so to speak, and covid hit and now we have no idea if it worked or not i'm assuming it worked i mean a lot of people enjoy drew mcintyre if, if his uh action figure is any indication to how over he is uh he's pretty over because that damn thing gets like a 100 bucks now when it's just a typical figure so i mean he's popular amongst some diehards and and collectors and things like that so but that doesn't necessarily translate to being a, a top tier guy or a, a great champion or a drawing champion. So right. it's unfortunate. Hopefully from the rumors I've heard, it doesn't sound like he's going to be able to have the title too much longer, but 
We'll see. Uh, hopefully, if fans do come back at some point, he does get another shake. But I don't know how you build him any bigger than you already did just for no fans. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So this was another match where I had a lot of issues with the crowd noise, the fake uh, piped-in crowd noise. I just It just felt forced. And and they wanted you at home to feel a certain way during certain, part, certain parts of the match where it just didn't make any sense. Story of this match is, I guess Orton had been taking guys out with the punt kick and things like that on Raw. or Yeah, I guess it would have had to have been Raw uh, for several weeks. I, it was the big show and, and Christian and Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. He gave the low blow. I saw that one. He gave Ric Flair the low blow. So the story of this match is all these guys that he did wrong returned to get revenge during this match. So every time Orton had the upper hand, uh, one of these guys would return. Like a minute into the match, it felt like a minute into the match anyway, He's Orton's already setting up for the punt kick on McIntyre when Big Show grabs him, yanks him out of the ring, and chokeslams him through a table. So McIntyre gets gets the upper hand. Match goes on. At this point, I'm waiting for like an edge return. So the match goes on. They're fighting all over the. They're fighting up the aisle. They're fighting at the ambulance. There's a there's a steel chair in the ambulance, a red steel chair in the ambulance. So I ask, why is there a fucking steel chair in an ambulance? What what ambulance carries a steel chair? And then Byron Saxton even said, "When did since when did the Red Cross start carrying steel chairs?" So he pointed out the obvious. I'm sure he got yelled at for it in the in the earpiece, but I pointed out like. <laughs> Orton started making those wounded deer noises again. I, I can't stand that noise that he makes. He did that at, at WrestleMania with Edge and uh, on top of the, the semi-truck or whatever that was. And that was really annoying to, for me as well. But So they did, they did the spot with the big show. Then he, they fight backstage, and Christian pops up for some revenge, and he starts beating the shit out of Orton. Then they take it back to the ambulance. They get up on top of the ambulance. Orton has the upper hand again. Shawn Michaels appears on top of the ambulance and super kicks Randy Orton off the ambulance onto, you know, a a safe mat or whatever the hell he landed on over there. But so at this point, he's been choke slammed through a table. He's been super kicked off the top of a a, a fucking ambulance. Christian's, you know, got his uh, shit shit in on him. And so Orton's been getting his ass beat the entire match and still manages to RKO Drew McIntyre on the floor and tries to put him in the ambulance, close the door. McIntyre fights his way back out, lands the, uh, the Claymore kick and then puts Orton into the ambulance and then gives him a punt kick as Orton's head's hanging out of the ambulance. It looked like he missed by a mile, but it is whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, gives it. So he gives him the Claymore kick, gives him the punt kick, puts him in the ambulance. Who's driving the ambulance? Ric Flair. So <laughs> Ric Flair gives a big woo to the TV and drives, drives right Randy Orton out of there in the uh, ambulance straight to the hospital. I mean, the medical facility. And that was the end of Randy Orton. And my, my only thought here and the match went about 22 minutes. My only thought here was, I don't understand how any of this helped drew McIntyre whatsoever. He's the baby face. And he had Mm -hmm. what, at least what one, two, three, three guys interfere. Well, I'm not counting flair. Three. Yeah. So three guys, a couple of them hit their finishers on him through tables off of ambulances Drew McIntyre still can't, you know, Orton's still getting up, hitting RKOs. McIntyre hits his finisher, nails a punt kick. It's like a dog and pony show to get McIntyre to even win this thing. And so I, I didn't understand how this was supposed to help elevate Drew whatsoever when he couldn't beat Randy clean. This felt like this is what the heels should have been doing. There should have been heels interfering all match to get McIntyre uh, elevated. Uh, what was your thought on that? 
Yeah, it almost feels like they did all that to keep Orton a little bit elevated because they don't necessarily want to end it, I don't think. So I think I think that's kind of what they did there. It took Drew three legends and himself to beat Randy Orton. So it keeps him high on the pecking order, so to speak. I thought the match was decent. I had no idea why these guys were attacking Orton, to be honest with you. It tells you how much I pay attention to anything WWE. But uh, it was cool to see those guys like Christian and Shawn Michaels. There's also that sick bump where uh, I think it was Drew got flung back into the, the um, windshield. Right. And that thing just shattered, and it sounded pretty nasty. Like, no thanks on that. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a good match, but I'm with you, man. It did absolutely nothing to help Drew McIntyre. He's what, I don't know how tall he is, but he's jacked. He's huge. He has the look. He doesn't need any help. Just let him destroy Randy Orton. I mean, what the hell does Randy Orton need out of any of this? Yeah, that guy, um, is, that guy just, uh, he could do anything and still get pushed. Yeah, so, I mean, just let him get manhandled and destroyed and put away and let Drew get elevated. I mean, he's already done it to Lesnar. So you're telling me Lesnar can't beat Drew, but it takes three legends to beat Randy Orton plus Drew McIntyre. That makes no sense. Right. And then we'll go to our, our main event, which is uh, Roman Reigns defending the SmackDown version of the heavyweight championship against cousin Jay Uso. The video package for this match was really well done. Uh, they went over their history as kill, uh, children growing all the way up, playing sports together, becoming wrestlers, their Samoan heritage. Really well done package. Unfortunately, that's where the good stuff ends. We go to the match. Roman Reigns had mentioned, I guess, on, on I saw it in the news site, so I guess he had mentioned it on social media that he's going to start wrestling without his shirt. So he comes out, and I'd always heard because he was in the Shield that the reason Vince made him wear all that the, the, that that top for so long after the Shield was because he had too many tattoos for a baby face. So I didn't know how many he had. I'm like, how many tattoos does this guy have? He takes it off. He has like basically the the, the Samoan tribal arm piece with maybe a little bit more on him. So I'm like, that's it. That's why this Vince didn't want this dude like rocking. Yeah, it's you know. all down his back. <laughs> it's yeah. all down his back. Yeah. His whole pec area. But to me, man, he feels badass, to be honest with you. He looks way more believable right now than he ever did in the Shield. This match goes on and on and on and on and on, and I'm not exaggerating. Match goes 23 minutes. Roman Reigns dominates at least 21 minutes of the match. Uh, Uso gets one comeback, hits a few moves, reigns right back on top, continues to just destroy him and talks trash. They elevated the mic for this match, so you could hear everything. They clearly told Roman to go out there and talk shit the entire match because that's what he does. He talks shit for 20 minutes plus, just telling Uso to give it up. You're not the better guy. Really pushing this stupid um, tribal chief moniker. He kept wanting uh, Jay to call him the tribal chief. Sounds like a fun. Yeah, well, that's what it should have been. I would, I would go with that one. I guess he doesn't. That's what he said. He said that a few times. Well, he's the head of the table, the high chief. uh, Well, he he, makes them up. He's he's going for tribal chief though. That's their that's their copyright or whatever the hell they did, trademark or whatever. Uh, He because he said that he said that more than anything, and it was it sounded so hokey. But yeah, he was very believable as a heel. I think he did a great job, and they missed the boat not doing this a long time ago. But Vince just wanted to stand his ground like he did with John Cena. Reigns needed this. This is what he should have been from the beginning, so that when he did turn face, people would like him. The match was bad. They didn't do anything bad. It just—I've never seen a twenty-minute squash in my life. 
And that's what this was. I mean, like I said, Uso got his hope spot, came back, hit a couple moves, reigns right back on top, all the way to the finish. Uso got his big comeback where, you know, he nails the super kick, nails the big splash, does all of his moves there in a matter of a minute or so, and reigns right back on top again. And he mounts him and just starts beating the living shit out of him with fists, just pounds the shit out of him, keeps wanting him to say he's the tribal chief. Uso's smiling into the camera. I don't know if it just looked like a smile to me, but it it looked like he was smiling the entire time he was getting his ass beat and refusing, refusing to call Roman the tribal chief. Jimmy Uso comes down and he just happens to carry a white towel with him wherever he goes, I guess. He's got a towel with him, so you already see what's coming here. He wants to throw the towel in. Jay Uso begs with him, don't throw the towel in, Uso, don't throw it in. Uh, he wouldn't. He didn't want to give it up. Reigns just kept talking trash, punching the living shit out of him, talking trash, punching the living shit out of him. Finally, Jimmy Uso throws the towel in. I'm like, this is it. 23 minutes. Roman Reigns just made Jay Uso look like complete shit. I, I thought it would be more competitive than it was. I was very disappointed with the layout of the match and just the match in general. Yeah. My thoughts are like the part that bugged me was just the elevated mics. It was too much. And I get it. Like Reigns is limited as far as his offense goes. So um, him talking and stalling and doing those sort of things helps him in this situation just because of the story that they were trying to tell. I didn't really care for. It. I love, I love the new look, the new gimmick. I, I love everything about Roman Reigns right now. I've always been a fan of Roman Reigns. I wasn't one of those people that just blindly trashed him. I, I can't remember who it was, but they made a great point. I, I hate to say this, I think it was Vince Russo. He said that Roman was the only believable one out of the whole Shield because he has the look uh, of somebody that could legit hurt you. Uh, so he should be the the baddest of the group, and uh, he should be the top star just because he does that. He has that believable look. Um, and, and this, based off of that, and what what you see now with Roman, uh, he has it. He just needs a better story. And, and, and I, I like the idea of what they were going for here with family. That's always personal when they're going at it. So you you just kind of get bought into it and drug into it just because it is family. You want to see how they treat each other. But he showed no remorse at all. Uh, and that's his own blood. I think I can't remember who it was. I think it was Corey Graves at the end of the show. He said, if Roman Reigns is willing to do this to his own cousin, then what's he going to do to the rest of the roster? And I thought that was a great way to end the show as far as the last last thought of WWE was essentially what Corey Graves just said there. And uh, that rings true, but the match itself sucked. <laughs> Yeah. After the match, Jimmy Uso jumps in. He covers his brother. He's checking on him. Um, he looks up and he tells Roman Reigns, you the tribal chief. Uh, basically, you know, step back, get out of here. You, you want, you won. You got what you wanted. We called you the tribal chief. The initial story going into this match was intriguing, but this was shit from bell to bell as far as wrestling goes. I don't know why this even closed the show instead of the ambulance match. Um, the baby face went over in the ambulance match. That would have sent the fans home happy. You had all the uh, cameos by all these former stars. Uh, and it was certainly a better match than this garbage. I didn't expect this to be a breakout moment or that Jay had a chance of actually winning or was going to be made the next you know big star, but there was no reason not to make this more competitive. We don't need reminded that our world champion and a guy who has been made you know been main eventing for years is the big dog. This didn't Roman Reigns didn't need to be established here. Jay Uso just 
I mean, he didn't need to be buried the way he was buried. So this was a clash of champions, but Flair's steamboat, this was not. And, uh, you know, that's my final takeaway from this show. Underwhelming overall, couple decent matches, nothing stuck out as awesome uh, or, or something that I would even recommend anybody needs to go watch. A couple things were, you know, pretty bad and a couple things were just there, but they were kept short enough that they didn't really hinder the pay-per-view. I thought, you know, for sure something awful was going to happen here I could shit on. But other than this match being uh, horribly booked, the pay-per-view was just there. I can't, like, completely just denounce it and and shit all over it. I would never watch it again. That was three hours of my wasted time, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. I'm never watching that show again. It's done. (laughs) It's in the books. It is what it is. I mean, to me, it just feels like typical WWE. Here's the thing. I, I feel like they're not invested their own product. Yeah, they're they're doing what they got to do. They're they're making shows, but I don't feel like anybody in that company is one hundred percent invested in what they're doing. It just feels like you know what we got the we're set for life as far as these cot TV deals and the Saudi money. I know it's kind of drying up because they can't travel and stuff, but at the end of the day, they're, they're set. So there's no. There's no urgency. There's no, there's no, uh, nothing. I, it just feels like they wake up. Let's, let's put our pants on and let's go to work and do the same shit we've been doing for the last 15 years. And that, that's all they do. So if they're, if they're going to half ass it, then I'm going to half ass be a fan and not care. Right. And that's what and a lot of people like, are doing. And it's like you said when we were going and we were getting ready to do the show, you're like, I don't even remember anything that happened on it. And it's, that's sad to say that's been, it's been that way for a few years now for me. I, I don't remember. I, I talk to my brother all the time and we get into conversation about wrestling and we start trying to remember who the hell won the Royal Rumble this year. I mean, I couldn't tell you who the fuck won the Royal Rumble this year right now. I guess Drew McIntyre did. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or we talk, what the hell was the main event of WrestleMania? Could you imagine 20 years ago not knowing who the fuck won a Royal Rumble or who, who, who main evented WrestleMania? I can tell you without even thinking, uh, who main event the first, 18, 19, maybe 20 WrestleManias. I, I don't know shit from the last 10 years. I can't, it, nothing stays in my memory banks. I see all this stuff. It just, I don't process it. I don't retain the information like I used to because of the way they book this shit. It's like you said, they don't care. So why the hell do I care? Exactly. And so mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I'm kind of checked out mentally on, on their product, yeah. even if I'm watching it, if that makes any sense. It's just kind of there. It's background noise. And AEW, yeah, they're competition, but they're competition to their third-tier brand. Um, I know they're getting pretty close to the Raw numbers, but I would love to see what AEW's numbers would be if they moved to Monday nights and went head-to-head with Raw. I don't think they would have the audience that they would have by, you know, Wednesday night. So um, right. I could be wrong, and I'd be happy. I'd be, I would gladly take that on the chin if I'm wrong um, because at that point, Vince would have to snap out out of whatever funk he's in and at least try something drastic. The show's over; they're overproduced. It's too cookie cutter. Everybody looks the same. It's all the same shit. Rinse, wash, and repeat. And uh, that's why you don't remember it because it, it just like WrestleMania looks like SummerSlam or SummerSlam looks like bragging rights or Money in the Bank looks like this. So I mean, it's just they all run together. It's one right. giant run-on sentence, and it's terrible. One question before we wrap up here. I just, yep. This is the question. We don't have to necessarily answer it, but coming to something to sit on, maybe we can pick it up at some point. But I, I've been thinking of this last couple of days. Has Vince 
took the WWE as far as it can go. Is there is there a way to build a new star or to create a new star that's going to push it to the levels of Hogan, Cena, The Rock, uh, Stone Cold, those guys? Is there somebody even out there? Is there something that could be done to even get wrestling back to that, you know, four or five rating, three or four rating that they had before? I, I don't think anyone can. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a question for a different day. I think that requires an entire segment of a show. Uh, we can actually do that on the next Power Hour for you Patreon members out there. Keep subscribing to the WrestleCopia brand. Keep subscribing to this Power Hour tier. And, uh, yeah, check back with us. That's an excellent question, man. I'd love to go in-depth on that and my thoughts on that. Certainly can't answer it here this week because our time is up. We've already given you guys a full hour and a little more. I really hope you guys enjoyed uh, us talking about Clash of the Champions. I wish I could say I, I enjoyed watching Clash of Champions, but I, I did it for you guys. I hope you guys understand that. And that was actually the first pay-per-view that I've been forced to pay attention to from the opening to the close. Usually I tune out. It's background noise for a lot of the matches. I'm not really paying attention, uh, sometimes for the entire pay-per-view. So this was the first pay-per-view I was forced to watch from open to close in probably a couple years. So same here, same here. I usually so, have buddies over pay-per-views and I'll sit there and we'll start chit-chatting, not really paying attention. And then we look up and say, like, Oh, this is a decent match. Cause you miss all the filler and super crap. So, and then by the end, it's usually a decent show, but you have to fit, sit there and watch it. It's really different. And it's usually trash. We'll probably be back for future pay-per-view recaps. I don't know that we're going to do all of them. I don't know that I can force myself to do all of them. I guess it depends on how many subscribers we have. But for right now, I mean, we tried one out. I thought we did a good job here covering it. This is our first ever pay-per-view recap. So I thought we did pretty okay here. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, that was Clash of Champions 2020 from the WWE Network. And uh, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Power Hour. So until then, Ray Russell, Steve Ekstad, thanks for being here, Steve. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll see you guys later. <laughs>